Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200. Star Wars 7x7 episode 1299 today. The effects of Finn's desertion on the First Order, it actually had some rather surprising ramifications, or a lack thereof, depending on your take on the whole matter. Punch it, Chewie. Hey there, this is Tim McMahon, Helen's co-host from the Expanded Comicverse podcast. But hey, you're listening to Star Wars 7x7, a daily Star Wars podcast, seven minutes a day, seven days a week. How awesome is that? Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and a lot of this information comes from The Last Jedi Visual Dictionary by Pablo Hidalgo and DK Publishing. Again, 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 thank you, DK Publishing, for sending me a copy. And what we learn about the Executioner Troopers, those are also being referred to playfully as the Panda Troopers because of their black and white helmets, those guys are selected for Executioner duty just, you know, randomly. Like, it's apparently basically part of being a stormtrooper and accepting the assignment to deliver capital punishment, according to Pablo Hidalgo, is a mark of effective stormtrooper training, accepting that assignment without hesitation. And like executioners of old, there is great anonymity to the job. It says here in their little data file thing that even though stormtroopers don't have individual names and are known by serial numbers, that the first order executioner stormtroopers don't get identified. It says here that they wear custom-marked armor, that's the Panda Trooper armor, to denote their duty. And unlike standard armor, which broadcasts a trooper serial number to their squad mate's helmet displays, Executioner armor is silent in regards to identity, leaving the Executioner anonymous to all but their commanding officer, quote-unquote. Now, apparently, capital punishment is a big thing in the First Order. Otherwise, they wouldn't have invented this handy laser axe for cutting people's heads off, and they wouldn't even have an executioner class of trooper to do it in the first place. But apparently, this is a thing, and it says here, the First Order shows its intolerance of disloyalty with regular public executions. Wow, that's pretty intense. So on the one hand, this is not really unprecedented per se, because we find out disloyalty does happen within the First Order, and there are crimes of varying degrees that have to get punished, and basically it sounds like the First Order doesn't really mess around with it. They just wipe them out and, you know, hey, you know, we're on to Cincinnati. But in Finn's case, it's an entirely different situation, because Finn has committed an act of disloyalty at a level that has been unprecedented that has never been seen is what I meant to say. <laughs> it's never been seen at that level within the First Order. And the First Order is afraid of it, quite honestly. Like, they have actually taken action to suppress the knowledge of Finn's desertion from the First Order. So it's not common knowledge that he's deserted, and you know, not only are they worried about the desertion situation, but, I mean, he deserted to the Resistance, and so now he's helping the Resistance, which is even worse as far as the First Order goes. Although, I gotta say, if they're trying to keep it hush-hush about this, Phasma isn't really helping matters by striding up and going, FN2187, so nice to have you back, when 
you know, half the stormtroopers there are probably going FN2187, never heard of that guy, who's he, you know, and if they're not careful, people are going to start asking questions, which then again, might get people's heads chopped off for disloyalty and whatnot, but I digress. Getting back to Finn and his desertion, like hammering this home, the note about the First Order Security Bureau here says that agents, observers, loyalty officers, and others closely watch the crew for any transgressions, hoping to prevent another desertion with disastrous consequences, like FN2187's infamous betrayal. Because, of course, it wasn't just him leaving, it was also him taking Poe Dameron, which made it so that they couldn't get the map to Luke Skywalker, which meant that Rey found him first, etc., etc., etc. And not only that, but based on Finn's experience, it's really surprising to discover that stormtroopers within the First Order get rotated through a lot of different jobs in a lot of different places. I mean, for a start, Finn said that he used to be a janitor on Starkiller Base, okay? Or he worked in sanitation, I should say, on Starkiller Base, right? And he is supposed to be the most proficient of his squad mates prior to the time at which he defects from the First Order. So at some point, he was just a lowly sanitation worker. And then when it talks about their time on the Supremacy... It says, Finn is more than passingly familiar with Snoke's immense warship. As part of his service aboard the Finalizer, Finn spent several brief stints on the Supremacy as his Star Destroyer underwent servicing within the Mega Destroyer's enormous docks. This included uneventful rotation through shifts of guard, inspection, sanitation, and gunnery duties. And when Finn returns... Fearing that his reputation as the only stormtrooper to break ranks may precede him, he says, you know, that's why they raid the laundry room. And so he gets the captain's thing. But um, the other thing of it is that he knows how to get them around the supremacy with as few major checkpoints as possible. And later on, in talking about stormtroopers, it says, The standard operational unit for stormtroopers is the squad made up of 10 troopers. It's common for squad mates to train together in large classes called batches. Finn trained under Batch 8, which has graduates stationed aboard the Supremacy. So there might be people who know Finn on the Supremacy, which is a ship that has millions of people on it. So it's no wonder that it's especially important for the First Order to crack down on disloyalty and to make sure that defections like Finn's don't happen because the knowledge that Finn is carrying around about the supremacy, about the finalizer, about Starkiller Base, about how stormtroopers function and how the First Order is collecting them and all this stuff. I mean, he's just one stormtrooper, but he was carrying around a whole boatload of information that was useful to the Resistance. So you can imagine that the First Order would be working to get a lot better at compartmentalizing information going forward and also compartmentalizing the duties of its stormtroopers as well. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And hey, you know, we haven't done a Jedi business segment in a while, so I'm going to give you an update on that real quick. <laughs> Stay tuned. Hey, Rebel Rouser. If you haven't done so already, please consider leaving a review for Star Wars 7x7 on your favorite podcast app. Not just a star rating, although I will say we are personally very proud of our near-unanimous five-star rating on iTunes. No, I just mean a thoughtful sentence or two about what you like about the podcast, or how happy you are that it's part of your daily routine. And more reviews means better visibility, which means more people get to share in a daily dose of Star Wars joy, and you want that, don't you? Of course you do, so please leave a review on your favorite podcast app today. I thank you, and the Star Wars 7x7 podcast thanks you. Welcome back. All right, I've been checking out the wonderful analysis by Scott Mendelson at Forbes.com in his Ticket Booth articles, and 
it says right now, at least by his estimation, that The Last Jedi will end its run with about $625 million made in North America and just over $1.3 billion worldwide. Now, if you're any movie studio on God's green earth, you would rejoice to have a film do that well. And yet, of course, people freak out because of how The Force Awakens did. Two billion, you know, and nearly a billion domestic. I mean, yeah, it's hard to live up to. And in his column for the ticket booth, Scott Mendelson talks about why The Last Jedi was basically never going to make more money than The Force Awakens, why it was going to fall 30% odd short. Some of this is stuff that was predicted in advance, like the fact that the second movie in a Star Wars trilogy historically always does worse than the first one. You just have to compare Star Wars to Empire and Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones to see that in the box office totals. And also considering the fact that The Force Awakens had the benefit of 10 years of pent-up Star Wars waiting before it was released, whereas we haven't had that same kind of pent-up demand before the release of The Last Jedi. And there are other reasons that didn't really become apparent until after the movie had released, like, for example, everybody freaking out about it and trying to lower audience scores with bots and whatnot, and the slate of movies that came out, looking at the ones that came out during The Last Jedi's run and during The Force Awakens' run, like Jumanji did super better than anything that was released <laughs> during The Force Awakens' run. Same with Coco from Pixar, right? Like, there were a lot of good family-friendly movies that came out during The Last Jedi's run, and it wasn't really the same way for The Force Awakens' run, stuff like that. So if you're interested in that kind of inside baseball stuff, and I gotta say, I really am, especially in light of how we found out about the movie industry's way of surveying audience goers and how different it is from the actual audience score, things that can get manipulated on places like RottenTomatoes.com, even though that stuff can certainly contribute to negative word of mouth and then stirring up media stories that are looking for controversies and interesting things to talk about, which can then potentially suppress some of the numbers, right? All that stuff. Definitely give Mendelssohn's column a look. And again, I'll have it posted to the blog post for this show's episode at sw 7 x and that is going to do it for today's podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. And may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. Hey, before you get captured on Geonosis, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And we'd be spectacularly grateful if you put a little something in the tip jar at patreon.com slash SW7x7. It's not a separatist trick, it's Destiny Unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018, Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it!